Hello friends, welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Shop Talk, Mike and I talk about common injuries. Our goal with this episode was to simplify the common and preventable issues that so many people seem to encounter. We talk about the fear of movement that comes after an injury. We talk about using movement as the primary modality in recovery, load management, and becoming your own scientist by playing with movement during the rehab process. I hope you enjoy the conversation and find it useful for preventing and healing uh, injuries that you might face over your lifetime. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by TFC App. With an expanding global tribe of health nerds, we set out to create a platform that allows the tribe to share our learning journey with others and inspire people around the world to live a more natural lifestyle. A major goal of the app is to provide a platform for science-based health education. The internet these days can be a messy world, and when it comes to health, there's a lot of confusing opinions floating around. We're using the principles of science and strict content guidelines to give you the most powerful and helpful information so you can reclaim optimal health. The app is available now on iOS App Store or the Google App Store by looking up The Foot Collective. Um, It's a perpetual work in progress and our team is doing our best um, to resolve any bugs and issues that some people are having, especially when using the Android devices. We appreciate your patience and look forward to continuing to evolve this platform into something super helpful and keeping it free forever. This episode of the Audio Project is also brought to you by the Roasters Pack. Our team at TFC head office are big fans of coffee before 11 a.m. And this Canadian company provides a unique subscription service that delivers you three great coffees to your door each month and gives you the story behind the craft roasters that they come from. Check out theroasterspack.com, use the code FOOT at checkout, and you'll get $7 off your first month of any subscription. Uh, And subscriptions start at $27 a month all in, including taxes and shipping, which ends up being less than a buck per cup. So it's a great deal. This episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear to and from events. They make super high quality cases that keep your electronics safe during travel. And you can check out their stuff at nanook.com, N-A-N-U-K.com. That's it for sponsors. Let's dig into this episode. Hope you enjoy. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey folks, Nick and Mike here back for another episode of Shop Talk. And today is all about simplifying common injuries or going through injury um, recovery heuristics. Um, The reality is that the bulk of the problems that we see in a typical physio or medical clinic come from um, preventable causes. Right, like the, from a musculoskeletal perspective, a lot of this stuff is preventable. A lot of this stuff has very simple solutions um, to these very common injuries. But I think the simple stuff gets overlooked sometimes in favor of getting distracted by pain or going the complex route. So the plan today is to cover some of the major points, um, overarching points when it comes to when you're facing an injury, um, and then go through some of the common injuries that we see and apply those general points to those injuries um, and review kind of the, what we feel is the root cause for these things so that you at least know what the cause is and you can start to address that. So let's, let's start, first of all, um, talking about how you know, how much stuff that you see in the clinic on an average day is preventable, like shouldn't happen. Yeah, so I would say the the vast majority of it shouldn't happen. Um, and I say shouldn't happen because it is essentially the right response to the right. scenario that it that is that is there. Um, but if we were living according to how our bodies were supposed to be used, I think a lot of the you know low back pain, knee pain, plantar fasciitis, like these things really 
Um, if you look at someone living naturally, that's not something they have. Well, they will happen on and off, but I think that the, the key is, um, cause if you're an active person, like for myself, like I'll go through periods of time where, you know, my knee might be bugging me for, for a week and then I'll, but then like what we'll get into is like, then I'll do stuff and then it'll get better. You know, you might go when I start running first thing in the season, my, my feet will be a little sore for the first few weeks, my calves. Mm-hmm. But then I know what it is and then I do things and I and I play with, with load management and then it's better. So I think it's it's normal for pain to come and go because pain is that little like thing that's telling you like, oh, you're loading too much right now. Okay, we need to pull back a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I would make it maybe consider that like acute non-traumatic injuries will come and go over time. Not injuries, but just, you know, areas where you poke into pain a little Irritation. bit. Yeah, that is very normal, right? And that that would happen too, especially if we're doing different stuff with our body. Um, but, but like I this it, shoulder injury that someone's like, oh, I've had six months, my shoulder's been hurting. Every no, night yeah. it bothers me when I sleep. Like that stuff should, there's no reason that if you're seeing a health professional, especially long-term, you should not have these injuries linger on for months and months on end. No, so the more of the, the chronic nature of it, when it starts to, really affect what we're doing with our bodies and really affect uh our lifestyle um and 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 changes all these things up and the pain's lasting longer than it should so these are kind of the main things that we'll see in clinic where yeah if you took a slightly different approach or realize some of these simple things we're going to talk about you would probably not end up in as much um you know just of long-term discomfort long-term pain turning a a, maybe a a slight injury into something that's lasting way longer than it should right so persisting past the point of 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 normal again if you yeah you could step on a on a rock when you're on a run and you could sprain your ankle that's very normal but um you know tissue will heal if you're doing the right thing with the things we'll talk about and then you'll be back to doing what you you're doing in, in you know that six week mark or four to six week four to eight week whatever it is but i think that's differentiating that between that and something else that's more persistent in nature which is Mm -hmm. kind of the more common thing we see is is more persistent stuff right ongoing ongoing issues that just don't seem like the body's this crazy advanced healing machine and if it's not healing uh that typically means you're not doing the right stuff right and and the right stuff can mean things not just regarding that specific body part right like if you don't sleep if you eat crap food um if you do all the other stuff wrong in terms of the pillars of health, it's not going to do any favors to your body in terms of healing. Yeah. Um, and I think all that stuff has to be considered as well. But we just kind of focus in, we zone in on isolating the body part. That's the problem and the actual site of pain. And I think that comes at a really big disadvantage. And that's why so many people have these long-term issues that kind of, you know, come and then go and come and go. And they always see, they never seem to go away for good, which means we're never actually targeting the root cause of why they're developing in the first place. Yeah. Um, and I think this whole, you know, protect, correlo- protect, correct, develop framework that we talk about um, applies a lot. So before you think about correcting a specific problem, try and think of what you're doing to cause it. Yeah. And that's like the first thing that people should think is what do I, because whenever people come up and they're like, Hey, can I ask you something? My knee really hurts here. What do you think it is? It's like, well, I have no idea what it is, but what do you think it is? What do you think you could have done to cause that? And immediately people start to think and they're like, Oh, I think I did this yesterday that I don't usually do. And it kind of bugged me. So people just have to think of what caused the problem first. Think that potentially caused it. Yeah. Cause it could be the, the combination of a bunch of stuff, but yeah, like what are potential causes? Um, we if we talk about the concept of like movement health too like you say you 
because the human system is so complex, again, you could talk about the fact that maybe you're not sleeping is the reason why your knee is, is right. So, but again, if we just hone in on like movement health, mm-hmm. um, we can simplify it a little bit more. And I think one of the big things is, is movement is the, in terms of movement, movement health, movement is the modality that we got to tinker with or play with. Right. So it might mean that That's you're, the go-to. so I, I think that's maybe one of the simplest heuristics we can start with is that we've got a movement is the modality. We've got to play around with parameters. So we got to see how much or how little are you doing of movement? What mm-hmm. are you doing? Um, how much load are you putting through your body? Um, are you doing right? So we just need to play with, with movement and, and, and look at, or it could be what you're not doing. Are you, are you just, are you sedentary for most hours of the day? And maybe right. simply, one of the best implements might be getting up and going just for a, a, a short walk every day can be one of the simplest things to just get you moving more. Right. So playing with movement. And I think we can get then more specific with the specific injury and we need to still play with movement at more of that micro level. And and it's like, oh, you move it this way and it really hurts. But then we find different movement options and it doesn't hurt as much when I move it this way. Okay, let's, right. So we can work around injuries and, and play around with movement on a micro level and then on mm-hmm. a macro level, play around with it too. But right. we're always playing around with movement. And I think this whole concept of playing with movement, I think people have become kind of far removed from feeling empowered that they can trouble they can do experiments right they always tell me be your own scientist learn how to do experiments which really that just means test something do some sort of intervention so do something different you know whether that means an, a movement or activity or a load or remove a load and then reassess whether you're better same or worse that's yeah. an experiment and i think um you know you can take that concept of the experiment and do it in like a tiny dose where it's like okay i push this kettlebell over my head it hurts well i'm gonna try it this way i'm gonna try it this way try five different ways and you're like ooh, on the fifth way i found a way to do it where it didn't hurt it felt easier so you tinkered with the movement pattern to find the most efficient and least painful one and guess what you don't have like your physio is not going to be able to tell you your doctor's not gonna be able to tell you exactly how to do it because they're not in your brain so people yeah. just have to be comfortable they sometimes need guidance but i think for the most part they have to be comfortable saying okay i'm going to try it this way i think this might be what the problem is being caused by i'm going to try a couple different i'm going to tinker with it i'm going to play with it and i think the goal should always be to restore movement to either like pre like pre-injury levels or just restoring movement in general mm-hmm. like for instance you you have knee pain or uh and you start to 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 limp a little bit or you have foot pain and you start to limp so now your your walking pattern is looking differently now you stop walking as much now you change your behavior you stop going to the gym so then it's like okay now you're doing this and this and this differently so what is that? Well, that can be a protective response to the pain that's happening. Um, it could be that the tissue is irritated, wh- whatever it is. But we, we need to say, okay, well, we want to. We don't want to do this forever, right? So we don't want to walk with a limp forever. We don't right. want to not do the things we like to do forever. So one of the goals should be get back to doing to doing the movement behaviors that you were doing pre-injury or pre-pain. Okay, that's a goal. Mm-hmm. So how are we going to do that? Then again, we can go in and dissect it. But goal is like, Okay, like humans need to walk, so we need to get you walking normally again without you protecting and limping and all of that, right? So I think that's fundamental too, is restoring the things that you would, like you need to reach into a high cupboard sometimes. So let's restore your, like your reach, right? We need to do that because right now you've been protecting your shoulder. It's been by your side. It's stiffened up. We can't reach without pain right now. We want to get back to being able to reach into a cupboard. 
Right. So, so again, I think it's like, what do we need to do to live? We need to walk around. We need to do some basic movements. Can we look at restoring some of these movements? Um, and that can help guide us through our, the treatment process or discovery process if you're doing it on your own too. Yeah. And I think there's like this big flaw with the avoidance strategy, right? Oh, this hurts. So I'm going to not do it. And then it's kind of this thing where the body says, okay, well, this person doesn't need to do this anymore. So we're just going to remove that from, from their you know, spectrum of movement abilities. Yeah. And then you start removing, you know, by avoiding more and more things, you start removing more and more mobility, more and more strength until you're left with very little, right? And the prime example of that is frozen shoulder. Okay. Reaching overhead hurts. I'm not going to reach overhead. I'm now reaching like tender shy of right overhead hurts. So I'm going to do less. Before you know it, you're left with this like Uh pea-sized range of mobility. You're like, well, I don't know how this happened. I just stopped doing what hurt, but now I can't do anything. And so it's back to this whole like load management and understanding when to do more, when to do less, what to avoid short term and what to start working back into. That's a good point is that like we got to look at and there's different types of people in different types of scenarios. But there's a, the one of the common themes is the people who avoid. And that's like the, you know, the persistent people who who limp or protect their shoulder or all that. Um, and, and I think, I mean, coming back to pain a little bit is that it's important to know that like poking into that pain and, and, and moving through some of the pain is is absolutely essential sometimes mm-hmm. um and i think we're just we have that back to that weird relationship with pain i think it's just like initially that's what caused us to not move in the first place is because it was painful we stopped moving so we have to get we have to break that framework and say like if we if that's the framework we're never going to move this body part again right. but again if another body part starts hurting we're start we're going to stop moving that so like you say it shrivels us up and takes away all of our behavior our movement behavior if we treat that as our framework is that all pain is bad i'm going to avoid everything that causes pain and i think most so, of that's medicalization like when people sure. say oh you got this blah blah itis or like your rotator cuff muscle is has a partial tear it instigates this kind of fear response where, okay, this is a, there's an injury there. Uh, it, it doesn't heal very quickly. I don't want to damage it more. Therefore, I'm going to avoid things that create pain because I think pain creates damage. Yes. And it's this like slippery cascade where, you know, if you're not in pain, me as a health professional thinks I'm doing my job right. Yeah. Right. But there's no baseline metric for, well, what's your function like? Because if you have no pain, but you have zero function, I didn't do a very good job. Yeah. I always talk to people about that is like, let's say you have five out of 10 pain and it's just been nagging for months and you're, and you stop doing so much things along the way. If we can get you back to doing those things and your pain is still five out of 10, we're already winning a huge battle. Exactly. You can do double the things now, but you still have the pain. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the funny thing is that as we're doing this, their pain starts dropping in most cases because right. that's how you deal with the pain anyways. But but just framing it as that, it just sets the stage because you can't give the unrealistic expectation to people that they'll never have a flare-up or never have pain again, right? Because then it's like... Because then alarm bells you know, go off. <laughs> even if things are going very well, they're like, you know, a few sessions into to therapy, they're like, oh, like my pain is down to hardly anything. You know, it's like, okay, just realize that like flare ups, even if they do happen, that's fine, right? We're already, we already are in the process of getting you better. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another is just setting these realistic expectations for yourself and for if you're working with people for your clients or patients. And, and it's like flare ups will happen. The, the, the graph is always a rough up and down graph. We want to see the graph trending in the right direction, right. but you will have these peaks and valleys. Um, and, that, and that might 
um, these are things to learn from. It might mean that like, okay, well, why did we have this flare up? And then it, again, it's information. Oh, I went for like a hike with my family on the weekend. And I normally don't do that. Okay, cool. Is a hike bad? No. Were you ready to put that much load through your body? Maybe not. So right. that gives us more information. But there's no permanent damage and no. you're going to be yeah. fine. And guess what? The benefits you got from going on that hike with your family probably far outweigh the little short-term discomfort that you're going to have for the next couple of days because you did too much too soon. Yeah. And I think, so load management, and this is like, you know, when we apply the term load, I think a lot of people think weights when we say load, but like gravity is a load, yes. right? And you have to manage gravity efficiently in order for it not to overburden certain areas of your body. So if you have certain joints that are removed from accessibility because you don't move them on a regular basis, so they've been taking out of circulation, you're essentially doubling the load on other joints that have to pick up the slack. So and like even looking at it at a global level, like load could be like, you're just not used to walking that much. And right. then you go to, to London, England on vacation and you walk for five hours one day. So that, <laughs> that law, that load is just like, even if you, you you know, you have really good mobility, you have whatever it is. It's just like, you're not used to that. If I tried to go on a, on a 20 kilometer run tomorrow, that would be poor load management for me. Even right. though I, I like to think I'm a decent runner, even though I've got good mobility and all of that. So I think, yeah, like looking at it from a macro scale, just like, anything that like when you're doing stuff that could be considered loading your body um and we need to just play around with how much or how because loading your body too little is often one of the root causes i think it's the biggest right? root cause for so many of our problems yeah. is we don't, we don't load, load enough. it enough and then when yeah. we do load it then we're like okay i don't move enough i need to move more then they start moving a little bit more and then their body's nowhere near capable of handling that load because it's never been exposed to it. And then they're yeah. like, well, I moved and it hurt, so I'm not going to move. And it's like, yeah. well, that was probably a shitty way of thinking of that because you just, you need to manage the load better. And in fact, getting overloading yourself sometimes is actually uh, very important, mm. I think. because And you obviously want to do it responsibly and not create some sort of catastrophic injury. But seeing where the threshold of your um, tissue failure rate, let's call it. Now, not, not failure as in like ruptured muscles, but failure as in... Sensitivity. Yeah, sensitivity. That's probably a better term. Seeing where that is tells you where you're at. Yeah. And it gives you the end of your continuum that you now have to stick within, but can work to expand further as time goes on. But I think people just, they don't move enough. And movement is load on your body, it's load on your joints, it's load on your tissues. And I think in general, you know, people know they need to move more. I think they need tips on w what are the low hanging fruits in terms of being able to move more, like just literally taking away the couch in the evening and spending it on the floor or moving around, you yeah. know, um, is a really easy thing that people can do tomorrow or going for a walk. Like this whole thing, uh, you know, that's loading, that's loading. Yeah. And it's powerful. Like I did notice when we, like we were, when we were in London last week, I used that as an example already, but my, like I, we walked around all day and it, I felt really good. But at the end of the day, I was like, I just felt like, Oh, it was so nice to like sit down at that point. And then it's like you, and there was no, like, again, it's like what you consider pain, but it's like your feet were like, well, they've just been loaded a lot. Like you could yeah. just call it that. And then right. and you didn't like, have a foot injury. No, it was just like my feet, you could call it. They were slightly sensitive maybe. Cause I was just, I hadn't walked that much in so long, but I knew it was because of the load I put through my body. And then it was nice to sit down, but that is just kind of, I think 
again, it's all always just information. When we when we start moving our body more, all it is is we're giving our movement system, um, our motor cortex, and everything involved in in our movement system, um, our salience network, you could call it too, uh, just more information to to choose from and make uh, appropriate uh, judgment calls on on whether something is good or bad or mm-hmm. or or you know in the middle somewhere. Um, and I think just like if you don't give it enough information or data over time, you just it's tough to make these decisions because this you might over put too much priority on this pain that's happening when it might, might be something as simple as just you you misjudged load a little bit right. and 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 you, you might have misjudged load uh over time right but again um we've we've got to just be if we, we got to frame it in these general terms and, and i think it can help a lot more and i think something you said before is that all body parts react positively to appropriate load yeah which is true so it's you and know you they call load stressed or, yep. And yep. so the question is, how much load is appropriate for me right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, once again, people just have gotten really, really dependent on needing someone to tell them how much load is appropriate, whereas right they now, need yeah. to get better at feeling how much load is appropriate mm-hmm. by gradually loading more and more, right? If you start to go for a walk, you go for half an hour, you get home, you're fine. The next day, you go for an hour and you're like, oh, geez, my feet are sore, my back's a bit sore. Okay. That tells you where your load threshold is mm-hmm. and maybe gives you an indicated an indication of, okay, well, maybe something's going on in my back that I didn't even know about because walking shouldn't hurt your back. If no. it does, it, you know, the most common pattern we see is if your hips don't move like they're supposed to because you spend all day sitting in a chair, then your low back starts to do what your hips should be doing. And so, you know, at the end, I want to do some specific cases to talk about like if this, if you have this problem, it's a common one. These are the common root causes that we see. And these are simple things you can start to do that will help improve the situation, not resolve the injury for good, but start to improve it significantly. Yeah. And um, it, so I we'll think ta- the answer we'll would that. be like, if you started walking more, you'd get better at the walking. Yes, pattern. exactly. Um, you, It's just like, what are you doing with your body? And then it's going to be getting better at doing whatever you're doing with it. So the answer might be, yeah, just expose it to, to more walking over time and, and, you're, and it will, will naturally open your hips up in a way that would, would promote a better, uh, you know, just a more complete walking pattern because you're getting better at it because you're doing it. And I think that's like, if you look at all the motor acquisition or motor school acquisition research, it's just like you're, whatever you're doing, your brain's getting better at doing. Like, mm-hmm. so I think we need to apply that as a principle. But um, I just want to use a quick example again of like a hip replacement surgery because it can, that's just like a prime example when somebody your your femur gets chopped off your hip joint was fully replaced um the ideal is but, not to get there yeah the ideal is but not, if you do but it happens right so when what do we do first day we we go in and get things moving we again we we start to play with movement right away and what what is the whole goal well the goal is to restore patterns that we need to live so we, we need to restore walking because we need that we need to restore going up and down stairs so what do we do in a hospital setting we go in and, and get you walking because the ultimate goal is to to start to walk independently again mm-hmm. and we, we go in there right away we go in there day one and say okay we need to start walking so we're going to start that process right now what does the person often say oh it hurts i don't want to but it, then what does the research say well the quicker we start to look at restoring some of these natural movements and getting somebody up and moving the, the better, better we do. do yeah so again sometimes it can be even to the point that's an example where the that that is actually excruciating to get somebody moving after that but it's in, in many mandatory. but it's mandatory because yeah. if we didn't do that then again your tissues would just continue to slip 
deeper into uh, unloaded states where they and, and get in the back end highly even more sensitized you'd start to lose mobility even more right so it would just take you further away from where you want to go ultimately and and then we need to get you quickly going where you want to go and side note every single system in your body requires movement for optimal function so your yeah. lymphat your recycling system of your blood requires movement so that the muscle pumps can return the fluid back to your heart recycle it clean it filter it your brain requires movement to function properly like so many of your systems in your body require movement that that hip replacement example you know i think people's first reaction when they have an injury is protect it at all costs and stop moving because movement can hurt and i think it's one of these counterintuitive things where you can't just have a blanket statement right oh i sprained my ankle really bad you can't just say oh we'll move it because well you have to eliminate the the possibility that there's a fracture there but when there isn't a fracture there then you have movement is actually the modality right yeah. i don't think there's a case and it's it's funny because this whole tendency to do less when something hurts is actually completely unnatural right like 50,000 well, years ago doing less might be like might be a, a an appropriate thing right. like load in management context. um but it's always the the purpose is always to get back to doing more um but avoidance strict avoidance strategies pure avoidance is not are good. like that's if you were a caveman and you hurt your knee which you probably did frequently because you moved and you hunted yeah. and you d did a bunch of shit if you stopped moving because your knee hurt and your knee stiffened up you could do less and it was like this cascade so that you get to like the frozen shoulder equivalent of the knee you died you yeah. cannot move like movement was life you needed movement well i think the the good i think maybe we can frame it as that the goal will is always to to get back to moving the way you need to and want to move right um but then it's the process of getting there might inquire uh, require some load management along the way uh and and movement strategizing um or or tinkering along the way to get you back to the ultimate goal of where you want to be mm -hmm. right but i think we that's the missing link there is that people don't take that next step they just go into protect mode which protect mode might be and is necessary in a lot of cases too like the fracture example if if you have a fracture and it really hurts and you're weight bearing like the goal is not to keep pounding down on that fracture like your body's response is actually you know necessary there you might mm -hmm. need to like and if you didn't have access to like your bones would eventually let's say let's say somebody I mean people are way too conservative that's for what sure i mean by that for sure but I, I, that's just like a thought experiment. If somebody broke their ankle before we had medical, uh, you know, somebody to reset their fracture, what would have happened? Well, they probably would have like, been, that would have probably been in a more appropriate limping response over time until the bone started to heal. But again, I think the, the goal would always be to let's start, let's see when we can start loading it. It just would have taken a lot longer for, for something to heal. And again, that's, it's only a thought experiment because it's, it's hard to actually say what would have, what would happen. And right. again, we can talk about is the fracture displaced or not displaced or whatever. Yeah. But let's not get into the weeds on that one. I no, think yeah. one thing on the topic of load management is uh, strength. So training strength, low overloading your body yeah. to make the daily loads that you encounter in life easier. Sure. Right. If you're stronger, getting stronger is never, ever a bad thing. No. Right. If you do it in a way that just isolates one single muscle and you don't strengthen anything else. Yes, you can create imbalances that aren't good. But in general, getting stronger makes life easier. Getting stronger makes your body more resilient to injury. It builds the more you can build tissue capacity, the less, you know, the further away that threshold is to where that tissue fails. Exactly. So and I th strength training should be part of every rehab plan. And I think a lot of times we just kind of work on mobility or we work on, um, you know, reducing pain. But like there's a reason that 85 year olds come see you and you work on strength with them because they need that. Yeah. And I might and you can do like 
I would say even when you have an injury, strength training is still a good thing to work on, even if it's not loading that specific spot right, right, right then. So you could be dealing with somebody in, I don't know, it could be anything. Like you could be, um, yeah, working on upper body when it's a lower body injury even, right? You could be, um, whatever you're doing, you can start to stress the body in positive ways, or you can do things that like globally load it. So like somebody has got a shoulder injury, but they, they happen to be fine holding like a deadlift bar, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's, it's a very shallow range of motion. So, okay, let's get them like deadlifting. Let's just get them. Farmer walk is a classic example. Your shoulder hurts and you can hardly move it away from your body. Cause you, right now you, your mobility is limited, but you can hold it right by your side. So let's load that up. Yeah. And let's guess start. What? That load is actually super beneficial for the, for the shoulder in terms centering the humeral head in terms of firing the cuff in an even way so yeah yeah i think people underestimate the value of strength training within whatever capacity you have without causing pain um and how that actually positively benefits healing and building resilience so that flow everything because whenever you get injured i mean if it's if it's a an acute contact injury that's just bad luck but if it's non-contact um you know the goal should not just be to get to where you were before the goal should be to actually okay let's beef up whatever failed so that it has a higher threshold to failure next time exactly right and i think too many times people just go back to baseline okay now you can move without a limp perfect Um, but if you didn't actually correct what caused that injury in the first place i don't know if we've done our true job as rehab professionals to bring someone to a state where they are more robust than the condition that got them injured in the first place another thing you can talk uh, add is like the talking about the non-specific effects of exercise so just in terms of neurochemistry and, and feel-good effects mm-hmm. um, so that's where like somebody with a shoulder injury even getting them on a stationary bike and just getting their heart rate up or whatever it is like even non-specific stuff like if it's a shoulder injury going up for a 20 uh, minute walk right or something like that just by moving the body globally even if it's not that body part at all it has positive effects and that's what the research is showing too these non-specific exercise and movement effects right so again it comes back to let's use movement even if it's not movement at all at that joint right now but let's move some sort of movement to just to get you going yeah right so so i mean the easiest heuristic that we like to tell people is become a mover. And what, is be, what does a mover mean? Well, it means that the bulk of your waking hours are spent um, in a variety of positions, moving or in a variety of positions, right? I consider being sitting on the ground as movement because you can't stay in one position for too long because your, your body gets sore, you have to shift and move around. And I think, you know, if you have pain, this chronic pain that's been there for a long time, if you just become a mover instead of, you know, the the opposite of a mover is a sitter or someone that's sedentary where the bulk of their waking hours so if there's 24 hours in a day eight of those hours you're sleeping or or in sleep mode you have 16 hours spend at least eight of those hours out of just a sedentary position obviously the goal is to have significantly less than eight hours spent in one position but i think for most people they think they're active because they work out but in reality they're actually a sedentary person that exercises and that's a big part of why the problems are there and if you're in an office um just don't like again it can feel like oh my god my whole life is is based on that well it's just a uh it's it's a process and and it's not bad to to sit it's uh, I would say just starting by implementing a little bit more movement throughout your day is a good start. And then starting to slowly maybe look at the environmental design that you have, maybe mm-hmm. inquire into like a stand-up desk or um, maybe your home environment. But I think it's just, again, it can seem overwhelming. It's like, oh my God, I have to move and now I don't move at all. So just start very, very slowly and um, and just start being a little bit more of a mover over time. 
And even I if think, it's just changing the position that you sit in, that can yeah, be a big one exactly. too, right? Like um, having, uh, I always tell people a hard wooden stool is actually a beautiful thing to start to implement more of because it doesn't give you permission to sit for huge periods of time. For sure. Um, your bum gets sore. It's a reminder to get up or to shift positions or to alter your position slightly. And that's micro movements during the day are essential if you don't sit on a, on a chair that's padded like a cloud. That's a good point is like just sitting, even having a cup, like a stool where if you're getting a little, you know, maybe you use a stool for half the day and then a, you know, a chair for the other half or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, or then you get a simple stand-up desk. So you could just go between the... F- so just having... I think it's just variety. having options and variety, yeah. even if you're in the same cubicle, even mm-hmm. if you have the same job. Because again, we're not saying, you know, quit your job, become a mover all day. Um, no, work with what you have. Just be slightly more movement uh, oriented. That's it. <laughs> I remember someone told me a story once. She's like, I-, I was trying to figure out ways to move more and I would always just get so like into what I was doing. I would forget and um and she's like but i but i drink a lot of water so i get up to get water and when i was talking to her she's like yeah i use these big water bottles so i don't have to get up very frequently i was like well maybe that could be something you could work on so now she has this tiny cup and every time she gets thirsty she goes to fill it and she's like guess what i have to get up like 10 extra times during the day because not it doesn't hold a lot of water so yeah it's just like and for her she was like proud to say that she's like i just uh, basically discovered a hack that made me move more without even having to remember or feeling like I was moving more. And it's just, it really is about this being a process. Becoming a mover is a process. It's because I think for a lot of people, it's intimidating. Like you said, they're like, well, my office revolves around this. No one else has a standing desk. You know, this is too big of a change for me to accomplish. I just can't do it. And it's like, well, you don't have to be perfect. You just let, how about you just be like 10 minutes more of, how about you just accumulate 10 minutes more movement that you did yesterday? Can you do that? And they're like, well, obviously I can do that. Perfect. That's where you start. Yeah. And then you just gradually build and it all kind of compounds and accumulates because guess what? When you start feeling better and things start hurting less because you're moving a bit more, you'll find a sweet spot. You're going to want to move more every single day to the point where sitting, you're going to find ways to, to eliminate sitting basically. Yeah. We don't sit very much. And when you do, it's, you know, if you don't sit all day, when you do sit, um, it's earned, right? And it's just another position. It's not, that's the thing is like, I think we can fear monger like a crazy amount too because you hear all these like sitting is the new smoking it's just like it's another position but it's just we happen to be like stuck in it just a lot yeah it's the so dose it's just it's it, all about same the idea dose. if like walking is another or, or like uh standing on one foot is another position but if i try to stand on one foot for the majority of my day that would not be good <laughs> yeah right so it, it's just another position um don't don't be fearful of it but just do things that make you just experiment and and like for me it's like again without demonizing the sitting in and of itself i realize that when i sit less i feel better so you could call it whatever it is you could you could say well sitting's not bad or sitting is bad but it's like well whatever for me i feel better when i sit a bit less or when i sit a bit differently um so i'm gonna do that right because that's what makes me feel better so exactly. i think if everyone goes because everyone's load management they're they're um everybody's at a different stage in all of this yes. so for you that's it so might important. mean it might literally mean like five minutes of different stuff throughout the day and that yeah. is just enough to tip you into the the point where you're where you hit a little sweet spot and maybe you can manage your pain a little bit better just with five minutes of different stuff. So, so yeah. Yeah. And that's really, you know, all the content that we're going to create with TSE app, the goal is not to tell people what to do or to give black and white statements about things. It's to give people a menu of options saying, here are 10 different things you can do to move more during the day. Pick whichever one works with your life right now and where you're at right now, because people just need to be empowered to be like, okay, I'm not perfect right now. I don't expect to be, I'm not gonna be able to move all day, but I can move five minutes more. 
Yeah. And and getting people to be comfortable making their own kind of like just guiding themselves, right? Like people need to make decisions themselves. You are your best doctor because you know how your body feels at all times and what you do with it all day long. And those are the variables that you need to have in order to understand how to make small changes. And you have to be ready to change things, right? Yeah. Like knowing all the information in the world is great, but if you're not ready or prepared or committed to actually make changes, small changes, um, then that information is essentially useless. Yeah. So it's more just like pick your battles. If sleep is a big problem for you, you can almost guarantee that sleep is probably one of the biggest things you can do that's going to have a global effect on every part of your body. Um, but like you said, I love... I love the concept of go for a 10 minute walk every morning because yeah. everyone, not everyone can run, not everyone or needs lunch, to run or at the end of the day, but everyone can walk and yeah. everyone has a body that's essentially perfectly adapted to walk. Maybe it's gotten away from that, you know, form of having joints and parts that move, but guess what? By walking, as long as it doesn't create pain, it's actually improving things quite a bit. And it's doing a it, lot of other stuff exactly. under the hood too. It's improving general pain in any part of your body. It's starting to introduce a little bit more load that might be the thing that tips you into this uh, kind of sweet spot if you if you aren't used to doing it. Um, and then again, just having a bear, bigger base to work from when you're walking means that when you go out on that, you know, if you go out for a half a day shopping, it's not going to put you back into that pain hole. Right. Right? It's like if we just get out there more and if we're going to get better at it just by doing it. And then I would say just being like just be a little mindful when you're walking. That's like just like how am I just I and mean, again, like we don't want to because there's always debate like you know you don't want to micromanage the way somebody's moving it's like okay well if you're mindful of it you can you can manage you can make these um these little changes yourself like when i'm walking i'm just like how does this feel oh it feels better when i do this so it's overthinking and tuning in are different things yeah i think people tune in how am i breathing just tune in oh okay like just be a bit more aware yeah and and then walk more exactly don't get stressed about oh my breathing properly is my foot hitting the ground properly no just Tune in to, to what is happening with your body. You know, like put it this way. If you leave your phone at home, the benefits you get from a 10 minute walk are partially because it's 10 minutes less on your phone or whatever sure. technology. And like it just goes. So, you know, we like to kind of we like structure and we like to think we understand what's going on. Right. We like to understand things as humans because if we don't understand it could be a potential threat. So we always try and understand things. The problem is, is our bodies and our brains are so incredibly complex. We're never going to understand the full depth of it. And we don't have to. And no. Once you accept that you don't have to understand every level of complexity in order to help people or to make changes yourself, it is this massively liberating thing where you're not worried all the time. Like as a health professional, right. it's always like, shit, am, is this the right thing for this person? But guess what? Are they moving more than they were last week? Perfect. Yeah. Then we're doing the right stuff. Exactly. Like it and we don't need to understand everything that's such it's a good point because what is a if we use the example of a walk again what is a walk doing we just listed a bunch of things that it's potentially doing it's introducing load to your tissues it's increasing blood flow it's it's playing with your brain chemistry it's making you more aware so okay so it's doing and then it's probably doing 10 other things (laughs) it's probably doing (laughs) whatever it's doing right so but so we can't be like we can't be so caught up in like what is it i want to know what it's doing before i do it yeah right we'll just we don't need to know that. We know that a walk is affecting a lot of the good stuff, right? So all we need to know is that. And then we need to know, say, okay, well, how can I do that thing that does a lot of good stuff more, a little exactly. bit more? Um, we know that sleeping, again, it's very, I find it very fascinating to know that sleep affects 
all of these crazy things that sleep affects. But again, we don't necessarily need to know that. We just knew that we've known for like uh, thousands of years that when I sleep, I feel good, right? <laughs> exactly. So we, we need to know that. And then we yeah. need to do a little bit more of that thing that makes you feel good. So I think it's just that like, yeah, c- treating complex systems as such and knowing that we can affect every variable um, is good. And then and the, and the same thing with the strength training principles and all that. It's like, well, it's better to be able to like do more with my body to be able to handle yeah. more with load with my body because then I can, right? It's just like simple. And then, so it's just, I think sticking to those simple principles will help you get through it a little bit better. And going for a walk is always going to be a good thing. Uh, it's magical. I, I've started to use walks way more. After that, um, Dr. Rangan Chatterjee on his Feel Better, Live More podcast had a guy that wrote a book about walking. And he basically talked about how, you know, the two biggest things, according to the research and data out there that you can do to improve your mental health is get quality sleep and walk more like literally factually based on research that's been done if you walk more and you get a good quality sleep every night you will have significantly better effects on your mental health than anything else you can do it doesn't matter what drugs what you know behavioral cognitive therapy anything walk more sleep better and you will literally improve your mental health and you'll improve a lot of things in your life Um, there you go and i think yeah so Let's talk about mobility because I think this is a, a very big one in terms of injury prevention or managing um, injuries. You need parts that move like your parts are supposed to move. And yeah, I really think that this kind of like spectrum of mobility that people are have today is it, you know, number one, the mobility you have is a direct reflection of the mobility you use on a regular basis. So if you don't use your hip, your full spectrum of hip mobility and on a regular basis, could be- you're not going to have it. And exact, and I think it's important to note is again you don't have to be perfect with any with any of this stuff. Um, if we just look at uh, maybe passing off some responsibility to each individual and saying like, if you want your hip to move this way over time, or if you want your knee to bend this way over time, you need to make sure it can bend over time. <laughs> um, so it seems so simple. It is, but it's like if you want your shoulder to be able to reach overhead, you need to kind of check do little checks here and there on a regular basis and make sure it can do that. Um, So once we put it that way, um, then we can say like, okay, it's your responsibility to maintain whatever level of mobility that you choose to have. If you're missing 50% of your hip range of motion, then we, and you want to be getting into doing things like sports or things that require that, or would be better off if you had that, well then maybe we can, we can start working on it. Um, I would argue that you need a, a baseline amount of mobility just to do day-to-day stuff with any sort of ease, mm-hmm. right? If if we're if we're lacking, like again, if to the shoulder, we can just take the parameters and, and like max them out. So let's say you had uh, ten degrees of of shoulder flexion and like zero degrees of internal external, like so now your shoulder is rendered useless, right? So <laughs> we can play the 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 game of like, okay, well, that's an example, like because people will say, well, you don't need perfect mobility. Well, if you have if you have uh, five percent of your potential mobility at the joint it's going to be rendered fairly useless so we can argue that mobility is important to some extent because it allows us to get our body moving into ranges of motion that we require to do daily tasks that we need to do as humans i think to right? a big extent because it your, is your hardware yeah. determines what software 
updates sure. you have available, right? Like if your hip does not extend, you have zero ability to update your software to use your glutes more or to offload your low back because that For simply sure. is not available to you. So until it people understand, okay, number one, what am I doing to steal away my hip extension while I'm spending all day in hip flexion, aka sitting in a chair? And you're just not, yeah, it goes back to you're not using your hip extension. Exactly. And yeah. then number two, how can I start to improve my hip extension? Well, you can do some active hip extension targeted mobility work there based on how much time you're spending in flexion. And once, more walks. and once you, you can go for more walks, you'll instantly start to open up some hip extension. But once you get that back, you have this massive array of options now available to your brain in terms of using those parts in movement patterns. Yeah. But if you don't have parts that move, your brain is very, very good at compensating and figuring out another alternate way to move if it doesn't have those parts available. Sure. Breathing is a prime example. We breathe every single day. It's the first thing you did when you were born. It's not optional. If you stop breathing, you die. So you have to breathe. Because breathing is so essential, if you sit in a position that you compress your diaphragm so that your diaphragm can no longer, you can no longer expand and contract your abdominal region um, for to during breathing, which is how we're supposed to breathe mechanically, um, then you have no choice but to use a different strategy. And guess what? Your brain does that seamlessly. It's like, this human needs to breathe. It can't breathe with plan A, which is the most efficient plan. Let's use plan C. And that's going to be your traps everything around your neck starts to kind of basically pull your whole shoulder girdle up and down. And that's your new breathing pattern. And it's an interesting test that I'll do. Like it's the, it's a little breathing test. Like if I'm doing computer work and I'm in a coffee shop or something, once in a while, I'll just say, can I take a deep breath? Because it doesn't mean that you can't take a, a nice normal, normal, normal breath when you're sitting. It just means the way we're sitting currently might not be allowing for that. So mm -hmm. if I feel like I'm going to I can't get one in, then I'll just change my position a little bit until I go. can. That's you it. You tinker with the position. It doesn't to need to open be perfect. You, you can right. Pattern. This is the thing. People get so black and white. Oh, you don't need to be. How can you tell somebody to breathe perfectly all the time? There's no perfect way to breathe. All these other things. We're not saying that. We're just saying, can you can you breathe? Um, if you're if you're struggling to get a a decent breath in, a normal un, unstressful breath in, then maybe change position. If it's a bit better, then use that one a little bit more. That's exactly. it. So it's. It's again, I think we can get so caught up in these things and go down any road so deeply and get so confused and think we need to be perfect. And But no, it's just mm. these little simple things over time that start to, to mix. Yeah, and I think a lot of times it revolves around just give your body an opportunity to move optimally. Yeah, It's not even, you don't even have to do a bunch of specific stuff. It's just give your body the opportunity. If you are spending most of your day in one static position, you're not giving your body the opportunity to move properly and you're ushering it towards restrictions that will change how you move when you do move. Yeah. Um, you know, so it's just like, no, it's way more about subtraction than it is addition. It's not about doing a bunch of extra stuff. Well, it could be addition in terms of adding more movement adding more load right but in terms of just the fundamentals of avoiding injury it's yeah. way less about all these fancy hip mobility exercises which are part of it if your part yeah. stopped moving but it's way more about just subtract the static position you spend all day in yeah or begin to subtract more of that away and that will give you and that's simple right it's like spend less time you don't have to tell people what to replace it with spend less time sitting in a chair well what should i do instead well it's totally up to you mm -hmm. and it's better not to tell people what to do because they people always want to be told do it this way but in reality it's like play with it yeah be creative see what feels good see what you enjoy during the day just don't sit in a friggin chair all day long and literally it doesn't or matter what a else little bit you do. more even if you are in a chair like um i think another good thing is just spend more a bit more time on, on the ground yes and it might not be at the office again 
whatever. Everyone's situation is different. But uh, if you can spend a bit of more time on the ground um, at home, that's always good. It's, again, so it's going to put you in different positions. Um, it's going to be a very non-threatening area to go, even when we're dealing with specific injuries. So like low back pain, I always get people down on the ground doing some stuff that involves just moving their bodies around on the ground. Mm-hmm. Because maybe that's the only area right now that that doesn't trigger this as much of that fear response and that guarding. So so we can do a bit of like rolling. We can just play around on the ground, right? And that's just, again, back to the concept, let's just get things moving. Let's get parts moving. Let's get the body moving. The ground's a great place to do it. Again, for shoulder injuries or whatever injury you're dealing with, go to the ground, do some stuff on the ground. So, um, and then globally, just spend time on the ground at home. Again, it gets you out of the sitting in the chair position right. and it puts you in different positions. So, and your home, you have the opportunity to engineer your home. That's the beauty about mm-hmm. home is it is what you make of it. And if you keep in mind the principle that your movement patterns, your movement behaviors are a direct reflection of the environment that you're within most of the time, um, then if you engineer your environment, you essentially engineer movement habits or movement behaviors. So if you make sitting on the ground appealing and convenient, um, more convenient than sitting on a couch or a chair, it's going to get done. And the idea is not to have to always think about doing it. It's to make it so obvious and so convenient that it's just literally what ensues. It's just the behavior that happens most naturally because that's what the environment essentially ushers in. Yeah. And so, you know, most people are just slaves to their environment, right? There's a desk and there's a chair. Therefore, I sit in in the chair and work at the desk. But if you essentially design the environment with these principles in mind, instead of being a slave to the environment, you essentially are the master of your environment. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a choice that everyone has, right? It's, you know, putting a yoga mat on the floor in front of your couch, which makes it more convenient than sitting on the couch, is something everyone can do. Everyone can do. So this is just whether you're ready to do that or not. I think the biggest thing that we need to talk to people about as healthcare professionals is uh, uh, trainers or whoever dealing some people who deal with people in pain is is this stuff that we're talking about. Um, Because, yeah, every specific injury is going to be different. Every we have to treat that individually. But I think if we start to look at reframing how people look at at movement and movement health in their bodies in general, um, then it can go a long way because we can hit these bigger principles that are going to be the things that allow people to, to live a more movement rich lifestyle for decades, not, not days. Um, and then we can make these bigger changes if we start to reframe because nobody, it's really the medical system's not looking at movement health this way. And that's a big problem. We're still looking at movement health at all. Well, not really, right? And, well, they're looking at, like, we've got some baseline things. Like, we've got, like, the 100, we recommend 150 minutes per week of exercise, the Canadian guideline. So it's like, but again, we're not looking at, it's just a, a complete shift of the way we need to, like, actually look at this whole thing. We're not looking at it in the right way. We're thinking, okay, same idea. Like, if you exercise uh, for 30 minutes a day times five a week, um, you know, that's what we, and that's good, right? That is good, but it's not looking at all the things we're talking about. Right. So that's where it's missing the game. They've turned exercise, they've medicalized exercise. Here's the dose. Yeah. Here's how frequently you have to take it. Here are, here's the specific exercise you need to do. When in reality, like you're right, we just had to have a much broader conversation about movement. It's not about giving a supplement to make up for the huge malnutrition that you have. Yeah. Right. Essentially the supplement of 150 minutes a week is like saying this is the minimum amount of protein you need to consume to not be malnourished. This is the minimum amount of movement you need to consume to not be severely malnourished in in terms of movement. But I think that's, 
that's a really low bar to set because maybe we should talk about, well, here's the amount of, of movement you need for optimal mental and physical function. And here are ways to get that in so that you're not having to take it in supplement form, like as exercise in a gym, but just every day, like moving around your home, being a movement opportunist, taking yeah. the stairs instead of an escalator. That is a small micro movement opportunity that most people don't even think of. They just take the most. And it's, you know, part of the flaw is, humans are wired to be lazy and i'm not i'm not saying that in the pejorative sense it's just this is the reality this is how we survived if it wasn't we need essential, to be aware of that if it exactly everybody needs to be aware of that because it's <laughs> in your nature i know so i think like you know you you're right though like if you're not aware of that then you wouldn't you wouldn't even go down you wouldn't think about all the things we're talking about right right because but you need to right you need to design your environment you need to get ahead of your human nature sometimes yeah. Um, so, and set yourself up because you know that's the beauty of of being a, a conscious being is that we can know it kind of know what's going on a little bit and we can like plan ahead a little bit and mm -hmm. realize that here's our animal nature but unlike other animals we have the power to get ahead of it and choose and set up our environment a little bit differently for our success so that we can have better lives right so and evolutionarily like being lazy was a really beneficial thing right if we lived the same lifestyle we lived 50,000 years ago, being lazy would be an amazing benefit to survival because you're not wasting energy that you don't need to. You're using energy appropriately. The problem is, is now we live in this totally different world. And so we have to take this higher level of consciousness and be like, okay, I know I'm wired for convenience. I want to sit on the couch. It is an easier route to take. That's what my brain wants to do. And, and I know that that's, that's, I'm not going to fight that. That's just yeah. my nature. But I am now aware of the consequences of taking that more convenient route because now the convenient route is the norm, right? And, and the struggle is optional. And if I never struggle and never challenge my body and do things that are inconvenient, I'm going to break down, which is going to be a way bigger inconvenience in the end. Yeah. So it's the awareness that the most convenient route is what you're wired to take, whether that's eating sugar in massive quantities when it's available or sitting when, whenever you are able to, which is now all the time. Knowing that that long term has a consequence and you have to find a happy medium of I can't do this all the time or big problems happen, that awareness allows you to then make better decisions. Because I think most people are just, most people I think have the perception that my body breaks down as I get older and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. And if you take that perspective, you you remove any ability to take responsibility over Blame your it on health. Their age. You hear that all the time. They're, they externalize what can be done they they essentially forfeit responsibility because they think that they can't take responsibility when in reality they have complete control over the health of their body over what they put in their mouth over how they sleep all this stuff is within their control just they don't have a sense of empowerment that they can actually affect change so you know you can you can do a lot you can change your habits you can you have control over how much you move during the day yeah your work can't your boss cannot say sit your ass down do not move you're not allowed to move they can't say that no. And so the onus is on you to know if I don't move, my body breaks down. I need to find opportunities to move, start small and just continually get better. Exactly. So anyway, and we'll just do a couple quick cases to finish this off. So I think a, a good one, I mean, this is actually the most simple one is f with feet. So if your feet hurt, the biggest thing you need to look at is, is the footwear that I'm wearing on a daily basis creating a problem for my feet? Or contributing to a problem. Exactly. Right. Because the biggest root cause with foot pain is footwear. Like, I don't know. There's no, unless you stub your toe or you get your foot smashed or something like that. Like, your your shoes are literally the main reason your feet hurt. 
If you fix the shoe problem and then you do a couple little things like open up some mobility of your foot, spend time barefoot, your foot injury, your foot problem will be gone or you'll prevent a foot problem from developing. Or, I mean, it's like we need to get applying the same principles to foot pain is like we need to get back to, you know, putting load through our, our feet and, and you know, basically getting back to, let's say that the model is, is a human who is fairly movement rich, who doesn't have pain, who, who can, has a decent load tolerance, who can walk decently. So we need to get back to that. So again, it's like remove the things that might be directly contributing to it and then start to maybe load things up a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? Load your feet more. What could that be? Going for a walk again, right? Load your feet a bit more, do, doing a bit of strength training again. So all these principles we can pull from getting your tissues used to accepting load, right? Building some strength, all of that. Um, that is kind of how we would would deal with the, with the foot pain. But again, like one of the biggest elephants in the room is just that initial like footwear choices. And if, yeah. especially if that's directly, I had a guy in yesterday, he's like, whenever I wear these Lacoste shoes here that I just bought, my feet are hurting. So it's like, yeah, like sometimes it's very direct and it's like, <laughs> yeah. and they were like these like banana look or like very thin, like Narrow submarine shoes. looking shoes. So it's like, yeah. okay, well, yeah, like that's I not mean, that much of a surprise, dude. It's not that hard. But they to, just don't connect the dots, right? Yeah. They, they just think, oh, when I wear shoes, it hurts my feet but they don't know that they have a choice for shoes that don't hurt your feet. Yeah. And I think, you know, I've started to look at the foot as its own movement ecosystem where we know lack of movement gives problems, right? It makes things weak. It makes things stiff. And, you know, I just tell people just like movement, more movement is better for your body. More movement is better for your foot. Yeah. And more movement happens by just taking away the obstacle of, to movement, which is just, you know, your foot needs to move and articulate and, and have muscles called on to do their job. And you can't do that in a shoe that's stiff, rigid and supports your foot. Yeah. So spend time barefoot take or your, wear yeah. natural shoes. Take your socks off at home when you're relaxing, move your feet around a little bit, see how they feel, yeah. well, all that, like just moving them more. Again, it's back to the movement is the modality. We right. need to just move them more. Let's a uh, quick case on the knee. So osteoarthritis, patellofemoral pain, ligament injuries. Like you got this like bucket of like five things that so many people kind of face at some point or on a regular basis. And I think the root cause for a lot of knee problems is sitting itis, right? If you don't, if you sit all day long and your hips can't do what they're supposed to, your quads and your knees start to do that job for them. And eventually they break down. And it, yeah, I think like these are general heuristics, but I think for the most part, we if, need to play with the things that we talked about. So it's like, yeah, yeah, what is your knee doing? Can we get it moving better? Can we get it moving more? Can we get it used to accepting more more load? Can we strengthen it? Um, and can we get, yeah, can we get your general movements um, happening uh, slightly more efficiently? Or, or or can we, like, again, we don't want to say there's any perfect way to move because there, there isn't, but can we can we explore different movement options right now? Can we can you give you different strategies, right? Can we, can we get using your hips a bit more? But whatever, it all comes down to movement is the modality. So we've mm-hmm. got to do something different in the movement perspective. And load management is another thing we got to keep an eye on. Right. Um, and so last one, let's just do shoulder. So, you know, you get people in all the time with shoulder impingement, rotator cuff issues, generalized shoulder pain or discomfort at end range. Mm-hmm. And I think the big root cause there is we don't use our shoulders. We don't explore yeah. the end ranges of shoulder mobility. And we also don't load our shoulders. This is yeah. one thing where it's like, a little bit of crawling or hanging can do so much to reset, you know, this whole playing with movement. Well, if you play around with crawling patterns, if you play around with hanging two arms, one arm, partial load, you know, where your feet are still on the ground and just play with it. Carrying like, as well. I would you will do, carrying, there. you will do so much good stuff to reset 
you know, without trying to focus and zone in on rebalancing or firing a rotator cuff muscle, all that shit's going to get done if you just either put load through the shoulder, through compression, or traction. And it's like very simple stuff. In different ranges. Done consistently in different ranges. And play around with it. Get comfortable. Okay, if I I hang my full body weight on one arm, it doesn't feel very good. But if I hang on two arms, it feels okay. And I can do it for about 15 seconds. Okay, tomorrow I'm going to try and do 30 seconds. Like... People just have to be comfortable doing their own experiments. And I think with the shoulder, it's one of those things where a little bit of crawling and hanging every day will not only help recover from a shoulder injury, but it will actually prevent them in future if it's consistent. It's a function-focused model, right? So we're focusing on like, what is the functionality of your shoulder? Can it do more things than it's doing right now? What do we want to be able to do over time with it? You know, We don't want to lose all the functionality of it. We want to actually uh, maintain it or improve it if you don't have good functionality of it. So, so if we look at functionality what is functionality we need to carry stuff lift stuff uh you know not necessarily hang from stuff but again that's a good thing to be able to do um so again what are can you just improve the overall function of that thing through Mm -hmm. load management through movement and all of that that's always good that's going to have the trickle down it's the exact opposite of how we deal with things like it's like (laughs) we need because we 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 did then hyper focusing on the pain and all of that and we'd be like oh is this going to be good for the pain well no if people fixate on it you wouldn't have the pain so we need to get back to doing that just like the hip replacement person who we understand that the person needs to walk as a functional human so we go right to the walking right we're like okay this person needs to walk it hurts but we need to get them walking we should we should apply that same function focused model to other injuries too this person's shoulder hurts but we know we need to reach and start doing stuff with it so we need to go there right so and i think you know just one last thing to finish off is we need to look uh beyond pain as a metric for success of injury recovery so when you don't have pain anymore uh, at a joint after an injury you know see this all the time with ankles someone has a gnarly ankle sprain there's no fracture it blows up gets swollen um you know they they offload it for a bit and then after a couple of weeks they're starting to use the ankle again they don't have as much of a limp it still is stiff and after the pain goes away they're like yep ankle injury is fine it's good but if you don't restore like if you don't actually compare that ankle to the other or do some sort of screen to as- assess whether or not you've returned that ankle to a baseline level of mobility you essentially are guaranteeing that you're going to have another ankle problem or, or chronic ankle problems. So we need to look at, okay, the pain is gone. Great. Now we have a lot bigger spectrum of movement that we can maybe play with or explore into, but the actual rehab process or the recovery process should not be completed until you've restored function function. Yeah. And, and it's also like function at your hip. Like how does that entire part side of your body function? Because if your ankle is restored to normal mobility, but your hip is still crazy stiff from your limp, your hip yeah. is going to stiffen up and your ankle if you're again. Walking differently still because you're, and you're going down. Cause you, you ask people and they're like, Oh yeah, I, I know I am going downstairs still kind of like sideways. So again, like looking at, okay, well, why are you going downstairs sideways? Your ankle, you know, you're no longer in pain anymore. Oh, it might be because again, that's where mobility starts to matter. Like, right. Oh, your ankle's really, really stiff. Like, Oh, and it's causing you, or maybe that you're still doing that because that was a habit. But again, if we look at like a human function would be to go down a flight of stairs, like normally or straight or like you did before the injury. So let's go look at that function and say, can you go down that flight of stairs straight again? What's preventing you from going down from the flight of stairs? Can you do a squat? Is it it mental, physical, whatever it is? Yeah, we have to look beyond the pain because I think the pain doesn't tell a very good story. It's a very superficial story. Um, and, and our whole healthcare system is looking it just all at revolves that. around pain yeah. and that's why we're so far off and that's why you know pain is this you know a very nebulous thing for a lot of people they don't understand it and so they're basically just a, a, a victim to it 
and they don't really understand why it's there. It creates this fear response and you just go down a bad path when it comes to movement. They move less because they don't know why things hurt and they're still hurting. And so, you know, I think movement is the modality, load management, uh, a general principle of not too little, not too much, listen to your body. I think if people just keep those in mind and focus more on getting rid of the things that cause these problems, like too much time spent sitting, too much time in one static position is really, I want to stop saying sitting because I think it's, it's not a really clear way of doing things, right? I love yeah. how FRC is like, well, what's the shittiest posture? It's the one that you spend too much time in. That's really it, yeah. right? Because that's sending you direct messages, right? That's another, like when I sit too long, in a coffee shop, I'm getting direct messages that my body, like I need to move because my butt starts hurting and I feel uncomfortable. I even get feel anxious. I feel anxious. And so too. then it's just that whatever That's that was, it could be me standing on one foot. It could be me being in any given position. But once I start getting signals that this is not comfortable and I might start develop some whatever, yeah. then it's like, okay, we'll change the position. Change Listen the to the signals yeah. and also get comfortable playing and tinkering with movement. You can do so many experiments. You can do experiments all day long on your body based on what you weight, how you slept, you know, how certain movements feel. And I think people just need to be, they need to take on more of the responsibility of troubleshooting little things instead of always requiring someone to be there to hold their hand or tell them what to do. Because guess what? The more you get told to do, the less you feel comfortable trying and testing and doing yourself. And I think that's this big shift that has to happen in the world of health is people need to be better informed on how they can make better lifestyle decisions so that they don't face all these injuries. And if they do get injured, which they're going to, they're going to have pain at some point. They're going to exceed their capacity. It's the sign that you're actually an active human is once in a while exceeding the capacity and developing pain. But they need to be more comfortable troubleshooting that pain themselves. There's nothing wrong with using someone to help guide you. But you can go in so much better informed and get so much more out of a visit with a physical therapist or a physician even um, if you just know a little bit more about how your body works. And I think that's the message of this whole thing is just get comfortable doing, you know, being your own scientist, using movement as a modality, as, as simple as just spending a bit less time in a chair and going for more walks. Like that's a great start. Yeah. So anyway, hopefully that cleared things up. I know we kind of took a meandering path, but uh, I think that's kind of one of the things with these podcasts. We just go wherever the conversation goes. And, uh, you know, if one person out there benefits from hearing this, then, then we can feel good about it. So we'll catch you next week.